right, so Adeptus Psychonautica. Did I say that correct? You did indeed, mate. <laughs> well, thank you uh, for coming onto the show today. And um, I watched your, so, some of your videos, and I just like your energy. You have a good vibe. You're good. obviously a highly intelligent person, and I just like your work that you're doing on, on your uh, channel. So I figured I wanted to know more about who exactly Adeptus Psychonautica was. And uh, so if, if we could start up this conversation with uh, how you came to be uh, this YouTuber online that has a decent following and, uh, you know, what, where you want to take it and anything else you want to tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. So it, it, the YouTube thing started, it was, it was kind of a few, few different threads coming together. And I would say that the main one, um, the real driver was that I'd, I'd been and done a few different kind of psychedelic retreats. Um, I'd done a bit of traveling around, uh, around Peru in the Amazon and the Sacred Valley. And one of the, the sort of the outcomes of these retreats is that, you know, you're going through these things to try and change behaviors of, of resolve issues. And they, they sort of give you some advice on how you can maintain the kind of the momentum that you built up th through this retreat. And one of them is to have a creative outlet. Um, so, you know, something to, to sort of focus your energy on. And like sort of most of us do these days, I've been walking around this retreat and, and around Central America, uh, South America, you know, taking pictures and taking little videos. And so I figured, right, I may as well do something with all this footage I've captured. So, um, and I figured since I've been to a few of these retreat places, I'll start making review videos and I'll just, I'll talk about the places that I've, that I've been and I'll say whether I thought they were good or bad or worth the money or not. So that was kind of one aspect of it. And and then also because of all this, I, I'd had all these experiences with all these different kind of psychedelic substances. So I just had plenty to talk about. Um, and then this kind of catalyst to do something creative. And then the other thing that was a kind of a, a, a factor in it was when I was looking to do these uh, things like these retreats and travel to, to South America, um, I wasn't finding a lot of voices like that I could relate to that helped me decide what to what to do where to go what to do what what not to do and there was a lot of very sort of out very far out there sort of you know leaning more towards the kind of hippie new age stuff mm -hmm. and there was a lot of very sort of you know the very uh sort of hardcore science background but i consider myself a very just average everyday person and i just want all i just want to know what, what works what works what's good what's bad <laughs> and so that was the kind of a part a big part of the motivation was just to put that kind of that voice out there like I am not a special you know I'm not special I'm not trying to be a shaman I'm not trying to be a guru I'm not trying to claim some sort of amazing wisdom I'm just a guy and I'm trying to find what works and this is my everyday opinion on it so that's really what I'm kind of doing with my channel is is just try and be the the voice of kind of just just a normal voice in a kind of a what's quite a uh, very broad and sometimes very crazy landscape. Mm. So uh, I want to talk about what you touched on. You said that um, you, was it with the shamans, they recommend that you have some kind of creative outlet after mm -hmm. you, oh, that's really interesting that, because I think that, because I'd like your point, the, some of your videos, you bring up how important it is to integrate these yeah. experiences. And I think that's, the greatest way to integrate is, is whatever you get from these experiences, you put it into whatever your creative outlet is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
this is it's one of the things I do try and address on my channel because I think there is a bit of a uh, a false perception around what actually happens at these retreats and what you get out of it. And I think a lot of that comes from, um, you know, there is a lot of media attention on things like ayahuasca retreats at the moment. And you get these kind of headlines of, you know, I, I solved all my problems in 24 hours and I, you know, miracle substance from the Amazon, you know, cured everything overnight. And I don't think those are kind of accurate or, or particularly helpful because sure, you can have these experiences which can completely revolutionize your life within a very short space of time. But if you don't take steps to maintain it, if you don't put this kind of work in, you, you will come down. You will come down from this amazing high that you've had. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, if you, if you just go straight back home, straight back into your kind of toxic relationships, straight back into your kind of shitty habits of, uh, you know, eating junk food or, or playing video games or in some sort of, you know, bad relationship, then nothing's going to change. And then you will find yourself six months down the line, possibly even in a worse situation because now you'll, you'll be thinking, what went wrong? Why, why, did, why did my life not change? And it didn't change because you didn't do the work. You didn't take the steps to, to, to make those changes. So the, the, at least the retreats that I've been on really drilled this into you that, and uh, yeah, part of it was this kind of, you know, have a creative outlook, but there were lots of other uh, sort of almost like a kind of like a, you know, like a, I don't think there were 12 steps, but it was like a kind of 12 step program. I think they had like mm -hmm. seven steps or something, but you need to do some, some self-reflection. You need to sort of, you know, look at what, what you like about your life and do more of that. You look at what's, what you don't like about your life and do more of that. Your problems have not been solved overnight. You know, it, you might have had a really good, you know, kick in the ass to sort of get you on the right track. And that in itself could be an amazing thing, but that's not the end of the journey. It's the start of the journey. And you've mm -hmm. got to then, like I said, you know, I always use the phrase, you've got to do the work. If you don't, then don't expect, you know, things to ch change around. So, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's one of these kind of misconceptions around psychedelics that I'm really trying to untangle, which is why I talk a lot about integration. Yeah, 100%, man. There's a lot of truth to what you just said, because I think it's a lot of people that a lot of people suffer from, you know, they take these, whatever the plant medicine is, and they go through these insane, you know, unfathomable experiences. And then they have these great stories that they have and things and entities that or, or you know, feelings that they felt. And then that's it. And, and I've talked to so many people and I'm just like, well, you know, they're like, oh, the colors and just felt this great feeling. But I'm like, yeah, but what does that mean to you? Yeah, exactly. personal level. And most people, I don't think know how to do that work. And I think it's a very important thing. And that's why I wanted to speak to you about it. Yeah, I, I think it's there's, there's kind of a mishmash of the times we're, we're in because without sort of trying to sound snooty about it, we are in this kind of like Instagram generation where, whereby people are looking for you know, that one moment, it's kind of drilled into like, you know, that, that everything happens in this one moment and it's all going to be perfect and everything's going to be amazing. And that, I think that collides quite heavily with a lot of these, these plant medicines whereby the, of, of, you, you can have these amazing transcendent experiences, but before that, there is usually some ugliness that, that goes with it, particularly with something like ayahuasca. You, you tend to go through a, you know, a quite a you know a, a rough at best extremely challenging time to get there you know some people look and just have you know 
psychedelic fireworks on day one and good for them. But for most people, you, you, they're going to work through a very difficult process. And the deeper the problem you come into it with, the more brutal that process is going to be. But then I, I've certainly encountered people on, on retreats where they don't necessarily want to admit that they're going through that difficulty. And you, you do have to kind of unpick yourself before you put yourself back together again. But they're so desperate to have this kind of Instagram moment that, you know, on, on, at the end of night one, when never says, you know, how was your ceremony? Then they don't want to say, that was, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> that was like the worst night of my life because that's like, that's not the instagram kind of way and i've seen people on retreats where it was just obvious they were bottling it up or falling apart and they just didn't feel for whatever reason didn't feel they could you know just let it out and, and that's for me that's the most important part of being on the retreat is to this is the place to just let fly with you know whatever's going on inside you mm. but yeah but people are very um i've, I've seen people leave retreats still bottling it up and then sort of yeah i've you know stayed in touch and they've kind of fallen apart later on um but it's it's a that in itself is a tricky thing because yeah we're not our society is not really based around you know falling apart in public <laughs> and so it so it takes it's, it's kind of a, almost a skill in itself to 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 have that surrender to just like okay here here's you know my heart was leaving it took me a long time to get my head around it because you know we're all british and we're all sort of you know stiff up a little we don't talk about stuff like that but um but it's that's where the the real sort of therapy happens is just just let it out yeah you think that's what it is it's just you have to surrender to the power of these things i think you, you you've got to sort of su surrender to the power but also surrender to yourself and be honest with yourself and so you know if you, if you kind of picture like a worst case scenario of some, someone coming in, like going on to retreat with some kind of, you know, horrific trauma. Let's say I, I, was, I was on a retreat once with um, some military guys who, who were just, you know, talking about watching the friends just explode around them and just, just the most, you know, things that would just strip you of your humanity. And to, to get back to that humanity, you, you're going to have to kind of relive a lot of that stuff. It's going to be brutal. You kind of, that's, in fact, that's what you signed up for. You signed up for, you know, it's, this is not supposed to be a gentle experience. It's the whole aspect of like going to the jungle, living very basically, having this very basic plain diet, having this, you know, like a collision with this, this medicine. It's not supposed to be, unicorns and rainbows if you get unicorns and rainbows awesome brilliant you know and i've had them and it's certainly it's certainly desirable but yeah i think if you if you're going on these retreats i i absolutely always expect the nightmare and like i say if, if you get the sort of the, the, the pretty fireworks but brilliant that's that that'll be a nice send-off but you, you i go to challenge myself i think of it as similar to like you know like these like um endurance races like spartan races or something like that you know we you're not going to go to something like that for a gentle jog. You are going to just break your body to find your limits, to sort yeah. of see wh where you get to. And that's how I sort of view a view of retreats. This is, this is like one of the biggest challenges you can put yourself through and it's supposed to be. So, so don't, don't feel bad when you want to break down and cry and like scream at the sky and stuff. It's that's, yeah. that's, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Mm. It's interesting in the human experience, how we have to like put ourselves through, these, these, whether it's physical or mental, 
emotional, whatever it is, you have to put yourself through these like very intense states in order to like, get to the other side. Like we have to just like, just put ourselves through pain and suffering for some reason. And then on the other side of that pain that we, that we inflict upon ourselves is some kind of, I guess you can say revelations, bliss, peace, or just like healing. But it's just like this weird aspect because I like how you brought up how it's how similar it is to like physical uh, sensations because you know there's probably a lot of people that want to go through these physical sensations like Spartan races and um, they want to get something out of it just like yeah. they it's just like a psychedelic experience and uh, it's the same it's like using a different way uh, and you know using your body in a different way but still the same outcome we just want to heal ourselves and become better people in a way. Yeah. Well, I wonder, you know, with, with the pain and suffering you talk about, I wonder, it, is it is it actual pain and suffering or is it, is it just that anything that we perceive as outside of our comfort zone, we instantly perceive as pain and suffering? So, you know, I, we, we operate within this kind of like, you know, if this is like the spectrum of our experience, of all possible human experience, say, then we're, we, you know, our nine to five day-to-day lives are like here. Yeah. And so anytime, anytime we step out of this, you know, like, like when I went to, uh, to Peru and I was, I was in the Amazon, then, you know, I, I was, I was in a, you know, I was sleeping in a, in a, in a village. I was in like a sort of a, 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 a tambour shack. Uh, I had a bed. There was nothing, you know, this was, it was not uncomfortable, but still I was feeling like, Oh my God, this is like, I'm, you know, I'm missing my home. I'm missing my sort of comfort. And to, to call it pain and suffering would, would probably be a bit extreme, but I was, Really, I was feeling discomfort, I could say at least, for no particular reason. I, everything was being provided for me, but it, it was a challenge to me. And I think that's what, what these experiences are. I think that's why we kind of were drawn to these mm-hmm. extremes of people who go skydiving or scuba diving or mountain climbing. Over. We're just trying to broaden that band, you know, our, the, the, the piece of bandwidth that we have of human experience so that we can understand more because it's only when you, when you have that that you really that you're learning something new or you're getting some kind of new experience. Otherwise you kind of like you're born there and you die there. And then that's, that's your, the totality of your experience. So I think we sort of, that's why we, we find the, um, the extremes uh, so appealing and obviously yeah. different people are drawn to different extremes. Yeah. That's very true, man. I mean, you don't have to go in the, into the middle of the jungle and do ayahuasca. It really just comes down to stepping out of your comfort zone. And that's how we yeah. grow as human beings. And, you know, like you said, there's very various different ways on how people do it. And ayahuasca is definitely a revolutionary way to do it. But there's, it's, it really is that basic premise. It's just stepping out of the confines of this little life that we built for ourselves of comfort. And then once you do that and you, just, you see that there's all this going on, and, you know, there's a whole universe going on. And it might be a little uncomfortable to see that, but that's how we grow. Yeah, yeah. And I know definitely just to just your point there, I, I am strongly of the opinion that like something like ayahuasca it, it is not for everyone and i don't mean that in some sort of elitist mm, it's not for you i just mean you know it's just everyone has different medicines you know different people have different you know i i feel no i'm not particularly you know drawn to something like like cannabis i've tried it a few times it just doesn't sit well with me that's fine it's not my medicine but i appreciate that for other people that really helps likewise not everyone is going to be comfortable with that ayahuasca experience. And it's not like a macho kind of like, oh, I'm so tough because I could do that. It's just different people have different callings and different sort of teachers are suited to different people. I've, I've no particular desire to jump out of an airplane and skydive. You know, so that's, it's, people just need to find their own medicine within that uh, thing. And uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think when, when, when you do that, you, you can sort of unlock very, you know, rewarding experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, people just have to find their own medicine, but I've heard that DMT and ayahuasca finds you, you know, that's the, the woo woo explanation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, there's a few different sort of slants you can put on that. You could, you could put like the, the there is certainly an aspect of, of the new age crowd which which um, sees this as some kind of like telepathic calling or some sort of universal synchronicity event or something like that. And I, I don't have a huge opinion on that. It's it's fine. Um, I, I think at more it's there's just there are there are just moments in your life when something calls out to you like using the mm. term call loosely so you know it could be something as simple as you, you're in a bookshop and you see a book title and just from that the title of that book you think i've got to read this book or you see like you know there's some phrase that you hear and you think god that's such a good phrase like it just it just resonates with you yeah and i think that's that's how i interpret this this call thing is that when i heard about something like like dmt or or ayahuasca then i don't know there was something where i just thought okay this is there is something about this that appeals to me in, in a way that that didn't. And yeah, if, if you want, you could say that's the call. Um, was it, was it mother ayahuasca telepathically reaching out to me across, you know, fr from the, uh, from the Amazon? I don't, I don't if, if it was, I don't really, you know, I don't care enough to know <laughs> what, what I want to carry that is that I thought it was some, something that it, that resonated with me. So, um, yeah, I, 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 the, the calls wonderful. No, my wife, well, I think my wife takes it a bit more new agey than I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, whatever. Like, I, that's what I respect about you, man. Is that you? Uh, you're just about the end result. It just doesn't really matter, whatever. Well, know, that, what, that's. I mean, that's the, the bit. The only thing that I think matters to and it's. It's. I, I have said this like a few times. Like, I don't really care about you know the, the explanation. It, it sounds a little bit flippant, which I, I you know I appreciate, but. Um, what, I, what I mean by that is that is it, it's I, I'm currently occupying this you know this this shell this sort of meat body and, and I you know I, I don't know what what happened before that from from terms of conscious I don't, I don't know what's going to happen after that all, all I've all I know is that I, I'm currently doing this and I want to make this the best version of this it can be I want it to be the most positive the happiest I want it to I want to have a positive effect on the people around me the, the ones I care about the most um, so I, yeah, like in terms of well, what what is the explanation of all this psychedelic stuff? Like, it doesn't really matter. It's and at least not to the point where people start getting fanatical about it and going, you know, it's a, a bit like kind of conspiracy theories in that in that manner. Because you know, a conspiracy theory can be a lot of fun to talk about, and you can talk about like Area Fifty One, and it's all juicy, and you can get your claws into it. But then, if you're sort of spending your life obsessively researching Area 51 and, and the only conversation that you can have with somebody is about Area 51 or how about, about this, then it's like, who cares? Is this making your life better now? As, you know, it's, yeah. and I feel the same about psychedelics with people who, who like say, no, no, this is, it's, it's definitely a higher dimensional portal to, to dimensions that are like, does it, does it matter? And someone else says, oh, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely angels becoming from God or yeah. like, okay, cool. It's, it's to me, it's, it's just all amazingly awesome experiences. Who, curse <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i know what you mean it's just it really doesn't even matter i mean it's just different it's just ultimately it just comes down to different symbols that we try to explain it with and it, uh, it really never does justice for the for the truth of what it actually is and i don't think we can ever actually explain what it is so yes like you said it it, it doesn't matter 
Um, mm-hmm. It is just fun to talk about. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, and I love talking about it. And, and, you know, all the sort of the various, like, you know, concepts around it of, like, is, you know, not, not just wearing psychedelics, but consciousness in general. You know, are, are we receiving consciousness? Are we generating consciousness? You know, I know we, we both got a mutual friend in James Cook, and, you know, I love talking to James, and we, we, we exploring all these things. And some of the, the theories that, that sort of pop up there, love it, absolutely love it. But the, the end, the end result is still the same in that it's this is this is me, and um, if you know if consciousness theory A is correct or consciousness theory B is correct, I'm I'm still Rob. <laughs> that, yep. That's kind of you know this is what I've got, I've got to, got to work with. Yeah, um, you always come back to this experience, no matter how far out you go. You always come back into the human three dimensional experience. Yeah, and I think and that's. A good thing. I think this oh, is yeah. this is a, because I, I think it's only through this that we get to process and appreciate that. Because if if you spent your you know having had one of these like sort of transcendent experiences where you are connected to the universal consciousness and you know plumbed into the sort of the what feels like the author of creation, then at, at that moment, I mean, it's it's amazing, but. It's only really when you come back into this that you can truly appreciate that. If you were there twenty four seven, then that's that's just you're there. Then there's nothing there. That there's you kind of just dissolved into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think that the, the sort of the real value is what you bring back. And yeah. you know, um, this when I you know I, I did a video about sort of ego death and people are sort of obsessing over, um, yeah. <laughs> killing my ego so that I am one forever. And it's like, well, you, you can only even process the ego death experience once you come back into the ego. So the idea that your ego is permanently gone is complete bullshit anyway. So, mm-hmm. I, so yeah, I, I think that the, the value is always here. You know, visit the transcendent, get what you can, but bring it back here and use it in some kind of positive way. Yeah, 100%. I think they're just tools. It's just, yeah. and if you use it the right way, you can definitely better your life. But if you don't, then it's just going to, be another experience like watching television or something at the end of the day. Yeah. And if you get sort of, if, and if you really sort of go too far with it, then I think it can go completely the other way where you, you can just, I mean, you know, I don't think these substances are in, are in any way kind of addictive, but if, if you're kind of just constantly chasing the transcendent and then you're kind of squandering the human experience, then yeah, I mean, that, that, that in my mind is just a complete waste of time as well. And yeah. and also it kind of, it, it runs con- contrary to a lot of these kind of, one of the more kind of fun uh, concepts around, you know, consciousness and, and psychedelics is that we are the universe experiencing itself. You know, that, that our purpose, for want of a better word, as a human being is to um, understand and to experience life as matter. So, you know, we, we were part of the of the kind of, you know, of the Godhead or the universal consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And we splintered off and we, and we experience this life so that we can understand it, which I, you know, I think that these are, this is a great kind of theory. I kind of enjoy this one, but if, if that's for the people who subscribe to that theory, then that just says even more, well, your job then is to appreciate matter, not to spend your time constantly staring at the transcendent. You're, yeah. Cause that's where you were anyway, according to, according to that theory, you've you got to yeah, right. get, live this life to the fullest. And that's what I absolutely intend to do. Yeah. I, that's, that's great. That's hundred percent. Just don't get lost. And you know, it's like, yeah. you have to find that happy medium between getting lost in the, the, you know, in the woo and then 
also not being too rationale and just like going being being able to be fluid and going back and forth and taking what you need from like as you say the other side or you know whatever that transcendent realm is and incorporate it into your life yeah 100 man i think that's that's a that's a paradigm that this world needs to work its way into because that's i mean ultimately i think that's where we came from when we were in these hunter-gatherer societies and mm-hmm. using these things i mean in our past like that's how they were used um and i think that's where that's like a model that we need to incorporate into the future so we can create better people and a better society ultimately yeah yeah for, for sure i mean this is it's kind of one thing that i've had to sort of try and incorporate myself because like i am going having these experiences and then you know i, I am going back into work and doing my sort of like my nine to five job and it's, mm-hmm. it's a funny thing because i i could I could go back into, you know, into work and I could, you know, say something like, uh, you know, if someone said, what, what did you do over the weekend? I could say, oh, yeah, well, my, you know, my wife had a baby or something. And they would like pat me on the back. Oh, congratulations. Congrat- well done. Or, you know, I got married or I went to, it was my, you know, it was my birthday. Like, congratulations, dude. If I went back into work and said, yeah, I had this transcendent experience where I was in communion with like, you know, the, the creative force of the universe. That yeah, that that room would go quiet. You know, there's no there's no kind of structure in our current sort of society for that. And I think like what you're saying with like the hunter gatherer sort of aspect, that was there, and it it still is there in South America. I think this is why South America is so attractive as a as a kind of retreat destination. Mm-hmm. It's because you can, they can have a conversation around the transcendent uh, on Tuesday morning. It's like, it's, it's, you know, what, what did you do last night? Oh, well, you know, I was, I was in the jungle and then my sort of mother ayahuasca came to me in the spirit of the jaguar. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what happened? You know, they, they've mm-hmm. got the, the, the framework to be able to, to, to do that. And we don't at all in, in Europe, I'm sure it's probably the same in, in, uh, over in the US. It's, it's, mm-hmm. There's just no, yeah, uh, there's no cohesion between, I'd say even the spirit, any kind of form of spiritual, um, you know, even like sort of religious talk is, isn't, doesn't really kind of flow any, anymore into, into sort of um, like office conversation. Yeah. So yeah, we need to find this, this connection again somehow. Um, somehow. <laughs> yeah. So I have no idea how I'm not, not going to theory on that. I'll leave that up to smarter people than me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just small steps and we're like, it's just, it, ta- it starts with, you know, people having a conversation like this and YouTube channels like yours and people getting more educated about it. And then as more people know, it'll just be like a snowball effect and more people who know what it is and talk about it with their friends and family. And it just, it's a slow change that I think the world is going toward. And, you know, in order for it to be actually adopted in paradigms like that, and, you know, it's actually in our, it's in office talk or regular, you know, coffee shop talk or something like that. I think we have a long way to go and we'll probably live in a different world by then. But it's, it's, it starts with at an individual basis of us just really just having these intelligent, I'm mean, not even intelligent, just like level-headed conversations. It's honest, I think it is, isn't it? It's just, just honest. honest conversations. Yeah. yeah. Authentic, I, honest conversations. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean it, it does feel like the kind of the battleship is changing direction. I mean, certainly when I was like a teenager, I would have never thought like things like sort of cannabis would start being legalized, and the idea of something like mushrooms being legalized is it would would have just been absolutely insane. And and it's it's happening, so it, that's going in the right direction. And you're starting to see more sort of you know prominent figures talking about these things, like sort of academics, and you know there's more studies being done. So I, th- I think things are definitely going in the right direction. And 
I, I think the, the, one of the places where I found the kind of the freedom to be able to talk about it is because uh, of being able to go to on, to on retreat to places like Peru, because no, no, you're not breaking any laws. You know, if, if I go on, on a retreat to Peru um, and I, I tell everybody at work, you know, I, I don't go into excruciating detail of it, but you know, if they say, you know, where are you going on vacation? I say, I'm going to Peru. I'm going to go to the Amazon. I'm going to take part in some shamanic ceremonies and like, Oh, okay yeah and you know that's about as far as the conversation goes mm -hmm. but it, it it does something like uh ayahuasca in, in a retreat setting yeah that that's a uh a sort of criminal free setup and so there, there's nothing wrong with it with being able to talk about that and that certainly was one of the things that yeah gave me um that sort of confidence to be, be able to to talk about it mm. and uh and, and we certainly see it like a lot of you know, people are talking about going on retreats now and academics and like the voices are coming up and even some voices which I never would have dreamed of start talking about like psychedelics, you know, I've listened to a podcast the other day with Richard Dawkins talking about doing psychedelics and stuff. So yeah. it's really, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's on uh, on Sam Harris's podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, Richard Dawkins was, was kind of sounding very interested in... Uh, Is he going to do it? I, I don't know. I'd have to chat with him, mate. but he's, 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 he was certainly, he, he was very open to it. Um, I think he was, I think he said he was um, looking at uh, MDMA as a starting point, oh, which, wow. which, which just sounds insane. <laughs> I would love to see that. Uh, well, well, yeah, yeah, they should like, be able to buy tickets for that. <laughs> <laughs> just him on stage on five grams of mushrooms and everybody watches and see what he does. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so, you know, I was wrong. It was all wrong. All the <laughs> <There's> <laughs> <a guy. laughs> yeah, that'd be very interesting because he is a staunch atheist, which is actually respectable in my eyes. But it would be interesting because like, he must get curious. Actually, the story was because he's on Joe Rogan and the story was his dad was a uh, huge proponent in psychedelics and i don't know what his job was or what he you know what he did but this was obviously a long time ago because richard mm -hmm. dawkins is old yeah um but he said he said on the on joe's podcast that he was a huge like you know he he was just really um really behind the power of psychedelics and but he told richard that he didn't want him to do it because he i don't know if he said he couldn't handle it or he, he just said he didn't want him to like corrupt his mind or something like that right so ever since then um he hasn't done it it's because of his father he's I mean, kinda, like been yeah, like, of it. yeah i mean it's understandable particularly i mean i'm i'm assuming that he was he was sort of raised in, in england so you know we, we we don't have that kind of like for i can understand like in whatever that might be, like 1950s, 1960s England. Yeah, what is the, what is the psychedelic set and setting in 1950s England? I bet it, I can understand. You know, I I would be worried telling my kids in that sort of environment not to do it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, just just on on the subject of Dawkins, I, I mean, I absolutely love Richard Dawkins. I think you know, I always he gets a lot of uh, grief for you know what's seen as his very sort of like you know snarky attitude. But I mean, the guy was like standing up in like in the face of just this juggernaut of organized religion, and and just sort of doing doing similar to what I, you know what I try to do is just is just say oh, hold on a minute, guys, you know there is some kind of bullshit that needs addressing here. Like, and that's yeah. no one saying that you cannot have your religion. But if you're telling me that you know your religion makes this this and this and this and this okay, uh, no, you know, mm -hmm. and I have yeah. I'll, a lot, a lot of respect for Dawkins for being one of those voices, you know, at that time, what was it like, you know, in year 2000 or something, you know, when, when atheist was like a dirty word sort of thing. So I, I think 
yeah, I've, I've got a lot of lot of time for the guy. And uh, that said, I still love to see him have one of these transcendent experiences. Yeah, uh, just to see what he'd make of it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Hopefully, he does. Hopefully, um, yeah, that would be insane. And but you know that that'd be great if he went through it, and then he just it'd still be the same. And like if he was still, I don't know, because because like once you open that door to like that other realm of your mind, like he would probably still have the same views, but I think there would be something that changes in his mind. There had there there would have to be, man. Like there would just have to be something. I think I think it would depend on 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 sort of which way you kind of go with it, because I I think there's. There's a thing, you know, for most people, we, we kind of, we're trapped in a very sort of like ordinary sort of paradigm. And then you have this experience and you've become aware of stuff you were never aware of, stuff that I just never had to cross your mind before. And I think stuff like we, with, with guys like uh, uh, Dawkins, um, he's, he's not an, a particular, in my opinion, he's not an arrogant man. This is, I actually think he's a very humble man. This is a guy who's very aware of his place within the universe, of his place in the natural order. And that, you know, there is this story far older than him. And, you know, all that he is, you know, a, a part of, you know, this biosphere of the planet. He's, he, this is not a guy who's like, thinks that, you know, he, he yeah. humanity is necessarily the greatest thing since you know since sliced bread so i think you know I, I think you can have that that transcendent experience it can go outwards into the kind of into the very woo territory of like oh wow i'm you know aliens and whatnot but it can also go very inwards and like oh this is this is my place i i understand now you know i i i i i'm feeling a sort of a you know that closer link with my ancestry and you know just a sort of a, a feeling of belonging within the universe. It doesn't necessarily have to go cosmic. It can be a very sort of, you know, Jungian style archetypal journey. And I would think that would be probably, you know, what I would expect more in line for someone like Dawkins. And it's similar to with, uh, with Sam Harris, who's, who's also like a big proponent of, of psychedelics. And he's going to be very open about his use of psychedelics. He did a podcast um, about six months ago where he'd done sort of, I think five grams in the darkness with a with blindfold on. And again, it, you, full of a reverence of the transcendent, but not getting carried away with it into, you know, again, it's, what, what do you do with that transcendent? You, you, can, mm -hmm. you can acknowledge its power, acknowledge its beauty, but still, um, you know, br bring it, sort of keep it grounded, I think. Mm -hmm. So you've done ayahuasca like over 30 times right yeah i mean i i, I say that I've, I've just kind of lost count no to be honest <laughs> um, all right so a lot you've done it many times right yeah yeah i, I would say it's, it's probably somewhere between like sort of 30 40 times yeah that's um that's a very large amount you are aware of that right that is at least to, I, I, to a person like me i've never done it so like to, to hear somebody that's done it 30 40 times i'm just like wow um it's i mean it's it's you know i, I go on these retreats um, sometimes like once a year, sometimes twice a year, a retreat can be anything between um, sort of two and, you know, four ayahuasca sessions in a week. So it kind of, it, it, it seems sort of some amounts up on it. And again, it just got to a point where I, was, I, I kind of stopped counting. But I think part of, of that is, um, I, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to admit to anyone, I, I, I have issues that I'm working on. I'm, I'm you know, I, I lost my mother at a very early age to suicide. Um, it kind of haunts me a bit and I'm trying to resolve these problems and like, like we talked about earlier I, I have to sort of wade into the deep waters so it's not 
I'm not particularly doing it for the, for the like the love of uh, getting high because as I mentioned, most of these things I go into expecting a very difficult experience, and I get it. <laughs> um, it's it's some of these things are yeah about as far from pleasurable as it can be, but they have a benefit, and I feel like I I kind of make a little bit of progress every time. You know, I was back when I started down this path, I was uh, nearly crippled with anxiety i was having panic attacks i was struggling to leave the house um and i'd say that most of that aspect is is has been dealt with through through these medicines i don't i don't my anxiety levels are nowhere near what they were now I, i'm a lot less socially awkward i mean i was i used to be incredibly antisocial, um you know and so yeah i'm, I'm addressing these things a little bit at a time and now i'm really kind of focusing on the sort of emotional blockages that i have um, but yeah, so, so to me, it doesn't actually seem like a, a, a lot. It just, it's just what I need to do really. It's, um, yeah. and I, I, and one of the things I kind of picked up early on when I was, uh, starting with this is that the end goal really is that I don't need to do it. Um, I'm not necessarily looking that, that this is my religion or that this is my, you know, this is me until the day I die now. It's the, the end goal for ayahuasca should be to, to, to not take ayahuasca anymore. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it is supposed to be a medicine, not, not like an ongoing um, treatment sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, will I ever get, will I get to that? I don't know. Um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely not recreational, but I'll put it that way. I do have other things I do, which I would describe as more recreational, but uh, <laughs> certainly not ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to like, you know, judge you or down you and how many times you do it, like how many other times you do it. That's, hey, whatever you got to do to make yourself happy. That's perfect, man. Like, uh, I was just actually applauding you and saying that's actually, you know, that's courageous because to, like I said, to a guy like me that has never done it, I'm just like, that is absolutely insane. I'm not insane, like in a bad way. I'm saying that's just like, <laughs> no, I, I, can't, I can't even fathom. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's great. So what well, I wanted to ask you is like, what, do you, what did you get from all of these experiences? And you did go into it a little bit already, but like what, um, like what do you, you know, I mean, is there anything significant that you can go over and like how it changed you as a person? Yeah, yeah, loads, mate. So I mean, there's, there's different steps to it. So the, the main one, which I think really, kicked everything off for me, which is where the point I, I kind of realized, wow, there's, there is something in this, in this experience that, yeah, th- th- that was a bit of a game changer. And that was um, at the point where I started uh, getting into, where, where I first tried DMT, smoked to DMT. Um, I, like I mentioned before, I was having very bad anxiety. My panic attacks were getting to the point where I, I was, yes, yeah, so, some days just couldn't leave the house. I'd be, you know, go out, on like a Saturday afternoon with, with my wife and kids and just, just have to go back to the, to the house. I, I, I just, I couldn't do it. I was collapsing on the floor and I also have epilepsy. So my, the anxiety of my panic attacks was triggering the epilepsy I had anyway. Mm. And then, so then my panic, part of my panic attacks became that I would be scared about having an epileptic seizure, uh-huh. which would then bring on an epileptic seizure because I was so panicking. And I just got stuck in this, this circle. I'm, I was like, you know, 35 or something. And I just thought my life was completely fucked. Um, I was, you know, part of my job was doing like a, a lot of traveling around Europe. I was sort of, I was having, you know, 
seizures in airports. I, I was, you know, because I was traveling on my own, like I was trapped in, you know, in countries where I couldn't speak languages and even, even explain to people what was going on with me. I didn't even know what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I was just convinced I was going to die. And I just had this just cloud over my head, convinced like by the time I am 40, I'm going to be dead. Um, my wife's going to be a widow. And my kids are going to be, and I was just, I was probably in some sort of depression and yeah, I just felt like my life was completely screwed. Um, for, for whatever reason, I can't, I can't remember how we came about. I think it was one of my friends suggested it for some other, probably because we'd heard it on Joe Rogan or something. But mm-hmm. so that's where getting some, hold some, some DMT. So we just tried it. And I had just this experience of meeting the divine. And this voice, as clear as day as I'm talking to you, you know, just said, dude, don't worry about it. You're coming through that door and you're going to go out through that door and it's all okay. Mm-hmm. And like sort of 10 minutes, and it, it sounds completely simple, but it was, it was like the most important thing I ever needed to hear. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. So that's before I was born. That's death. And the part in the middle, don't worry about it. Got it. <laughs> I came to like, sort of like 10 minutes later, I just didn't think anxiety just dropped instantly. Um, fear of death just dispelled, completely dispelled. So again, that just reduced my anxiety even further. Seizures just dropped because I wasn't I wasn't having anxiety as much anymore, and I was I was just stood there like holy shit like like in the, in the space of like fifteen minutes like you know something which I thought was my my destiny to have a crappy life was just completely reversed mm. by some sort of transcendent experience. So that was what kind of led me to think, okay, I, I need to explore this more, and just from that, you know from that one um, sort of kickstart, I've, I've then gone on to sort of work on um, confronting confronting my mother's suicide, which is something I just bottled up since I was like, you know, three years old, mm-hmm. sort of understanding, you know, even understanding a relationship to, you know, what a mother is. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a mother. I don't, I didn't know what it was I was even missing. So these are, like we're talking about this bandwidth thing before, these are thoughts that I'd, it could never even occurred to me to have. And now I was kind of able to have them and and process them in a way that's kind of useful and like sort of, you know, to make sure that I'm not passing this stuff onto onto my kids, you know, to understanding like, oh, right, okay, that little bit of behavior I do, that is kind of weird. And that's, perhaps it's weird because I grew up in a kind of a weird household or, you know, I didn't have, you know, maybe, maybe I, I, you know, look at women this way because I didn't have a strong sort of maternal force, force, you know, like when I was growing up and it's when I, when I was kind of in, in my, you know, formative years, these just questions were just not on the radar anywhere. So I think being able to, to have them and to sort of process them, this is like, I think the greatest gift we get from these sort of medicines and it, keeps on going and every time I, I sort of I have you know one of these sessions I I'm, I'm, you know I might get some new insights or learn something new and sometimes it's painful it can be you know I, I put out a video about, I think about six months ago now of like a mushroom trip that I had which just completely floored me in how emotionally painful it was because I just I was just suddenly hit with like just waves of grief and loneliness um, and it just kind of like, it came to me that this was the grief and loneliness that I should have experienced when I was three years old, but a three-year-old doesn't know how to have that. You know, you mm. don't, 
a three-year-old does not know how to process the mother committing suicide. Oh. And, so, and so you bottle it up or you, you build like a kind of a firewall to, to, to block it off. And now here I am, at, you know, in my 40s and it was just like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like it opened up. But I was glad for it because I think it sounds a little bit like masochistic, but th- there is a beauty in, in these experiences. You know, if you, if you think back to like your teenage years, a lot of like the, you know, the, the sort of, you know, some of the biggest events in your teenage are like the heartbreak of, of like your first girlfriend or, or something like that. You know, there is, the, even these painful events are worth experiencing. Um, yeah. Not saying I necessarily, you know, w- want to go and seek them, but <laughs> I, I think that they're worth having. And, and so being able to unbottle that stuff, which I would have, yeah, I, th- I think it, without these substances, I would I would have just bottled up until the day I die and been sat there on my deathbed full of like, what the fuck? What's all this regret and bitterness <laughs> inside me? Mm-hmm. So yeah, to, to let it out is uh, is very um, yeah, it's it's very relieving in a, in a way. Yeah, so that's so that's what it helped you do is like just confront your demons, I guess you could say. Yeah, c- c- confront, uh, but also understand um, mm-hmm. and sort of as well as kind of understand your demons, understand you in relation to those demons. Like it's, you know, like, you know, you kind of, I want to understand like who, who my mother is, is why she might've wanted to do these things. Like how, how does that make me feel like what, what about, you know, not only the love that I missed out on from her, but you know, a child wants to give love to its parent. And it just all these different perspectives. I was going through this experience, and this is on one of my ayahuasca experiences, just seeing it from all these different angles of like, you know, my needs as, as an adult to understand these things, but also the kind of the, the need of a child to like, to, to, to kind of, to be able to release these things. It's kind of, you know, have you ever seen like, you know, when you've been into like a supermarket or something and you just see like a kid just, just break down and just, just go nuts on the floor and start smashing like, like the parents don't know what to do with it. Mm. That's, that's kind of what kids need to do sometimes, you know, and, but then when you, when you face with a, something like orders of might, like an event that's just orders of magnitude more than they can cope with, children don't know what to do with it. So in that case, they kind of bottle it up. So yeah, I was just going through this experience from reliving sort of events from a past, from from all these different angles. From I was, one moment I was, I was my mother, the next moment I was me. I was I was I was the child me, and yeah, it, it was just it was like forty years of therapy just like condensed yeah. <laughs> into, into this like you know hour hour of experience, and yeah, I, I cannot imagine how that would have could have played out any other way because i i'm sure it possibly could have done through years of therapy but i'm not sure i would have been receptive to to that therapy i think i needed that kind of you know like the dam to be broken um because yeah. because i didn't even know it was there you know <laughs> yeah yeah that is strange it seems like we hold trauma in our bodies and our minds and that we don't even know that we hold that trauma i mean some people say we hold trauma from other lifetimes as well, but that's going to a whole nother aspect in conversation. But just in mm-hmm. this lifetime, it seems like it, like whatever that like we have like conscious memory. And then we also have unconscious memory and it mm-hmm. seems like unconscious memory plays a huge part. And it, it seems like these plant medicines and en- enable us to 
access that unconscious memory and things that aren't serving us in that unconscious memory. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, it's a kind of, it's just, I don't think it's in any way open to dispute because I think most of us have had some kind of like experience, you know, where you, 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 you're in the shower or you're distracted or something like that. And you just go, you know, like Jesus, you know, that is exactly that. It's the, you know, you just have this flash of memory from the unconscious. You, you weren't searching for it consciously. It just surfaced and you kind of, and you have a visceral reaction to it. You know, you, you remember that time you were embarrassed at school and you just, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and we all do it. Everybody can relate to that experience. So yep. this, this unconscious memory, and I, which I think is absolutely there. So, you know, sometimes something just gets written into, into memory, written into like a corner of the hard drive and mm-hmm. it just forgets to get recycled or, or, or flushed out. Mm. And yeah, and it, it's, and I think that's when we have that visceral reaction, that kind of, that is our, so, you know, our body attempting to, you know, do something with the energy and it's kind of, it, it is manifesting in, the, in this kind of bizarre, almost kind of like, seizure-like way. I mean, you, you could take that into an extreme, and I've certainly had people who say, I don't subscribe to this particular myself, that, you know, something like the epilepsy that I have is a, is a further manifestation of that, that this is, you know, some kind of trauma has, is, is, has been written into your brain in such a way that it's, it's formed a kind of a, a, a brain scar, and that when you have something like a, a, a seizure, that that is just, it's the only way your body can knows how to release that energy and so you kind of you, you shake it out mm. and again i don't necessarily particularly subscribe to that but um yeah i, I certainly I, I'm, I'm kind of i'm done with this idea of unconscious memory and that there are ways that we are our body is trying to get rid of energy i think uh unconsciously and i think when we have something like a psychedelic that is the melding of, of the conscious and the unconscious. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what, why we see all these kind of archetypal figures and all this kind of, you know, all this archetypal uh, geometry and patterns, something that seems to get reported all over the world, regardless of sort of culture or, or, or tradition. You know, we all start seeing that sort of like, you know, patterns and geometry and archetypal figures such as, you know, like the, you know, the great mother or the old king or, or all these sort of things. And it's, to me, this seems logical that there is something baked into us here um that or at least that, that the psyche like allows us to access something ancient with us and again that's i think that's why it conjures up this feeling of something ancient you feel yeah like this sense of ancestry so I, that makes total sense to me and I, I do lean towards that sort of more jungian view on it uh, rather than the kind of aliens and uh, extra dimensional view do you think that so you think we have this like collective unconsciousness between human beings i don't i, I don't know necessarily about to to a degree yeah i mean we are coming from you know a all, all coming from a same dna blueprint at some point you know if you follow the tree down far enough that then we are there there is you are going to hit a common point so it would make sense to me that whatever it, it is sort of the um, the hardware kind of blueprint there. It's a bit like, you know, when you, you know, every, everyone turns on their computer and the first thing you see is a black screen. It says, you know, uh, loading MS-DOS or whatever. You know, you see the, you see the, the initial bit of, of the operating system before Windows kicks in. Yeah. That's, that's the common bit. And I think in human beings, that common bit is this kind of, you know, a set of, a set of archetypes, a way for us to understand each other on some sort of, fundamental level so that you know whichever culture you know you are in 
that there is a set of um, just hardwired bits of, of, of programming for onto a bird so that we can just understand, oh yeah, this is, this is, you know, the, um, this is like the mother, this is the matriarch, right? this, this is, the, this is the, the structure of these people, this is how I might communicate with these people. I understand that, you know, an offering of food is, you know, this is an offering of friendship and these kind of things. There's, there's just something that we know as humans. And so I think this, you know, you could call it the, the, the collective unconscious or, you know, something, again, something that's baked into DNA, but I think there's certainly something, uh, there is a common human experience, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the common human experience of just, yeah, like that knowing that you're human. I've, I've come to that conclusion actually on, you know, I think it was high doses. I don't even know. I, I have high doses of probably mushrooms or cannabis, one of them, right? Just like that, that, that commonality of that, of, of the human experience. And I felt that bet between everybody. Like I remember just the specifically I was lying in bed in the dark and I just felt like what it feels like to be a human. And there is that like that sense, like no matter how different that I may feel from than, than somebody from say, I don't know, in the middle of Zimbabwe or that, you know, I have no actual, it seems like relation to, um, there is that like that felt experience of just being a human being, you know, like that, that, yep. that untethered connection of just having this, this experience of the five senses and of the mind. Yeah, I've, I've had the same. In fact, it was my very first ayahuasca experience where I had that, and I remember I just, I was in this kind of this this hall with all the, all these other people doing this this ceremony, and there was a few candles that were lit, and it was flickering the sort of the candlelight across the ceiling, and I just kind of fell back on my mat, and started seeing kind of cave paintings emerge out of the shadow, these kind of tribal cave paintings, and I, and I just reached up and looked at my hand. And I just thought, I had that, I kind of thought what you described that. Mm -hmm. I am a human being. And I think I, everybody's I, been there, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and, 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 and I realized at that point that, that at some point in like ancient history, the, the first human being would have had that, you know, the, there must have been a first human who had that first conscious thought, like what, in whatever language it was, like I am this. I am. And, that, and, I, and that thought from that, you know, person way back in prehistory. To me, the certain thing. I just, you just, the chain just formed. And like you said, it's funny you talk about. Like I saw tribes in Zimbabwe. That's exactly what I saw. I saw, I saw where I was. I saw my all my ancestral chain going back. I saw how I was linked to all these other, you know, tribes on the, uh, you know, people on the planet. I, I was looking at the sort of like the flickering of the candle flame, and just realized that at that exact moment there must be. You know, at least like tens of millions of other people at some in some shape or form stirring into the into a flame, whether it's around a campfire or whether it's around you know a fire in the top of the home or whether it's like a candle. And I just felt that this sense of connection was, I mean, it was transcendent. It was, I, I just I felt like I knew my place. I felt like you know that this this connection of humanity just meant something it's you know the, the spirit of humanity that it was something greater than i was and it was humbling and it was it was um, just you know amazing to, to realize you were you are a part of something and it, again it just reinforces this idea like i have an obligation to make my part in this chain the most valuable thing that I can give to it. You know, I can't just squander my life because I'm part of this chain and I'm going to, you know, my children are going to be part of this chain and their children, you know, it's going to go and from beginning of time till the end of time. And 
it's it's my responsibility to to, to make the most of it. And it was the, the actual experience themselves. Like I said, I was looking at a candle, I was looking at shadows. So it certainly wasn't the most far out I've ever been on psychedelics. But in terms of what it meant to me, it meant everything. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think those kind of uh, experiences are. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think when uh, it's, it can sort of sometimes be a bit of a dirty word, but that to me was a spiritual experience. It was deeply profound, yeah. um, and not every psychedelic experience is spiritual like that. And mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah, it, it's it's another one of these phrases. That I I try and I'm trying to put my own sort of phrasing to it so that it can be used normally because again you start talking about being spiritual and they go oh god people he's, he's going to start trying to he's going to try trying to push the bible at me or whatever so but, but those spiritual experiences are i mean they're desirable that was what it was you know i i would i would strive to get back to that experience if i could but again mm-hmm. you can't control what, what what kind of experience you get with these things yeah I think that for me, how I define what a spiritual awakening is, quote unquote, because that's something that's, <laughs> another, that's another buzzword that's thrown around and people have their own interpretations of it. But I think if you want to put it in the most uh, realistic point of view and, um, you know, in a way that everybody can relate to a spiritual awakening is realizing that me and you are the same thing, even though we might not look like it, we are having this shared experience that is the same thing and it's not only me and you it's seven and a half billion people all around the world and because of that shared experience we're all cliche again we're all one Mm -hmm. we're all part of this experience that is being human and that is putting putting it at the simplest form in my opinion a spiritual awakening because not everybody knows that like you know i i've heard the term before that we're all one man like yeah you know we're all this one thing and i was just like what does that even mean like i'm not you like how are we all one but there's just like a simple like switch that has to flick in your head to know what it actually means to be a human being because before like you know i was called a human in you know going throughout my day i'm i'm gary haskins i'm this guy i'm some white guy that lives in america but then when you realize like you take away all those titles and you realize what it actually is to be in this experience and it opens you up to like oh shit everyone else has that is in this experience with me and it's, mm-hmm. it's that it's that simple it's just a feeling i really don't know how else to explain it it's like an epiphany it's like a revelation yeah for sure i'd, I'd, I'd go a little bit sort of further with that as well. i think i think another aspect of it which i think certainly i would say what you just described is is the foundation upon which any, any other kind of spirituality needs to kind of occur so you you, you know you have this this feeling of oneness and i think that that feeling it, it allows you to sort of then feel things like you know compassion and and, and empathy and yep. understanding for all, all your, your fellow humans and also that that and this is where i think some somewhere the kind of the spiritual psychedelic community gets it wrong that sort of compassion and empathy also has to happen at the level of, of that um some of these people haven't gone through this this thing yet so you have to be able to 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 reach them and, and communicate with them uh, in a way where they're not sort of you know necessarily have, have the understanding of, of what you've been through and i think that the you know particularly a lot of the new age spiritual community they can get very snooty about like oh well, I'm, you know i'm so enlightened and you're you don't understand me sort of things you know, I'm, I'm so above you and, and 
that serves no purpose in, in my like this this whole sort of enlightened uh speak <laughs> I, I, I think i mean I, I i this is not to downplay the actual act of enlightenment or the act of, act of awakening but to club people over the head with it and make it into some sort of like uh, elite little club i think is completely counterproductive yeah but but then i, I would sort of on, on top of that kind of spiritual foundation i think then then there's a, a part of it uh, is then sort of knowing yourself and knowing sort of like what your your you know aligning yourself to your sort of higher power and that higher power it doesn't necessarily have to be you know like a god or, or some sort of thing it could be you know what what you want to do with with your sort of with your life and it could be something as simple as like you know you want to be a you want to be a good person. You want to be the best person that you can be. I want this to be the best version of me it can be. I want to be a good husband. I want, I want to, you know, I want to serve others. I want to, you know, I want to fix the, the mistakes that my father made, you know, wh whatever it is, some sort of higher power. And then you, I think in that kind of moment of spiritual awakening, you know where you are on that path and you don't, you know, like, I don't think the path ever actually has an end. Um, but you feel spiritually aligned when you're on it and you feel you, you start to feel when you're not on it. Like if I, yeah. I know that when I start acting like an asshole on, on, online, or if I'm sort of, you know, mindlessly playing video games, you know, for, for 10 hours a day, like I might be doing it, but I, there's something in me that knows like, dude, you should just, yeah. you know, stop eating all the chocolate, dude. Just, you know, you know, so, uh, and then, and then when you kind of, you get yourself back on track, you, again, you feel it, you sort of feel that alignment and you, yep. you start feeling sort of positive and your posture changes and, and it's, so I think, yeah, it's a kind of a bit of a mishmash answer, but I, I think there's, that's, that's how I sort of perceive my sort of my take on spirituality is that it's, it's, it's me progressing down the path that I kind of set myself and again, that whatever that path is, is completely up to the individual. Yeah, yeah, 100%, uh, man. I'm glad you said that because it is coming to that conclusion of knowing that we're all one. And then from there, you're like, all right, so what What then? Like, what do you yeah. do? All right, yeah, we're now one. Well, okay, that means <laughs> we're, I'm probably, if you're a good person, I'm going to make the world a better place through whatever, or, you know, it could be your personal life, could just be, you know, you treat your dog better or something or whatever it is. But, you know, it's, I think it also has a lot to do with, like we talked about at the beginning, the creative aspects mm -hmm. and creating, literally we, we all create that better world for each other. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and those, those changes to make that better world can be minuscule. They yeah. can be, you know, and I, I, this is something that I, I also see a lot on, on retreats. So like, uh, there's a lot of uh, people want to save the world, like, you know, like just in one go overnight mm -hmm. and i think and again this this might even be before they've sort of completed the work on themselves but just the, the smallest sort of things like i say having a conversation sort of you know being friendly to a, to a stranger you don't have to sort of you know occupy wall street every day for the rest of your life it's it it doesn't you if as you know the, the smallest bit of progress is still progress yeah um and again, there's something there that you shouldn't necessarily convince yourself that you're making progress. If you're not, you should sort of, you should be honest enough with yourself to be able to check in and, and know that you're doing it. But yeah, I, I think the, if you set yourself those goals too high, then, and then they fall over because it, it, it was just beyond your capabilities. And again, that can sort of send you back the other way then. And then it's like, oh, you, you're back into sort of depression because you, you've, you've failed at your goals and stuff like that. So 
I'm, I'm sort of a, a big proponent of the, you know, little realistic um, things and, you know, it, it, coming back to the we all want, if, if, if everyone's doing that, then that's, I think, where sort of change happens, you know, quite rapidly. It doesn't necessarily, it's not on you to bring about the rapid change. It's on you to bring about the changes within you. Yep. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. I mean, I like how you said, too, um, how, like, you know when something's off. Because I have that same sense, too. And I know when I'm, I'm, I'm just like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this right now. I should be, mm-hmm. you know, doing something else. But, like, there is that. It's like, once you open the door, like, once you have that revelation that we just talked about, of that, the awakening, it's it's like you don't really close it. It's not something that you can shut yourself off to. Like nobody could tell me that I'm not connected to anybody else right now. Yeah, but that, that can also go the other way. Me, me and my wife often talk about this because then you get the, the sort of the situation of like ignorance is bliss. So like, it's like, God, don't you, don't you just miss the days when you could just play video games for 10 hours and that, that was fine and just stuffing your, stuff your face with KFC. And it was, <laughs> that, that was like, that was just a good day. And we, we always say like, would, would you go, you know, it's the matrix conversation. Would you go back? Um, because yeah, when you open the door to all those good things and, and, you know, and broaden the experience, but then you are sort of opening the door to all the kind of, you know, all the trauma and the pain and suffering, which I, you know, I talked about earlier, but, and, and some days that can be overwhelming and it can be, you know, and, and you kind of days where you think, you know, you know, it, it, is, is the world actually getting better? And, you know, it, it, it kind of, it, it broadens your appreciation of, of yeah of the negative as well and it's it's very tempting to think god yeah i wish i'd just <laughs> i wish i'd just yeah. stayed stayed behind that firewall and i guess <laughs> that's what a lot of people do you know and, yeah. and i think that's that's why something like probably you know ayahuasca does sound particularly alien to people because it's when, when you say to people like you know going to the jungle you get high and you well you, you look if you get high if you're lucky but you, you, you're throwing up and some guy's chanting at you and smacking you over the head with a bunch of leaves and you know you, you shake your pants and i'm like what you people think people think you've got insane but uh yeah i mean it's it's um like i say it's one of those experiences that you that you uh, you challenge yourself with yeah but, uh, it, it is it is a conversation that's come up a few times like would you go back would you <laughs> I wouldn't go back because it's just, it's, it's not real bliss. Like it's not, you know, the, that, that ignorance is just false bliss. Like I think the, yeah. the real bliss lies in is confronting who we actually are and what is actually going on through your changes. And if you just stay stuck in that, that, that previous state that we're talked about, uh, you just, you're just stuck in this loop of suffering and you just, you know, it's not the truth, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's almost like being some, you know, born in like a sort of a you know in an insane asylum in a padded room where you can't hurt yourself and your food just gets brought to you and yeah that that's your that's your knowledge of of life but you know no but nobody would say they want to do that you know i know some people who like have never left the town that they grew up in and mm-hmm. it's it, again that just seems crazy to me like why would you not not want the you know the experience oh well it's you know, there's, it's risky out there. Well, yeah, there's risks everywhere. You've got, you've got to, you know, you've got to take those things in order to experience them. Again, there's, you know, there's risks jumping out of an airplane. There's risks going to the International Space Station. But, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you don't see the astronauts in the International Space Station start to go, oh, it's, I wish I'd just stayed back in, you know, back at Cape Canaveral. It's, oh, you know, it's, you've got to, that's the only way that the, the you know, the transcendent happens is, is by putting yourself out there outside of your comfort zone. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one thing that you know, guys like sort of you and me can do in that we, we can, like, say, we have the, these conversations where we can talk about these experiences in a way where we're not going into sort of you know the it, hopefully in a way that people can relate to, which will then encourage sort of people who who it, it hadn't necessarily crossed their mind to do these things before because they thought this was just purely for hippies. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, they'll think, okay, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll try these things and. Well, I, I certainly get messages to that effect on my channel. And I think those are the most rewarding ones that I get when people say, wow, you know, I, I didn't realize there was such a, you know, an experience to be had within this. I'm, I'm kind of, okay, I've, I've just signed up for my first ayahuasca retreat. So I'm going to try DMT or something. It's like, cool. That's, that's good, man. It's, yeah. it's good. It's good that I've sort of, you know, can reach people in that way. That's awesome, man. They're changing people's lives, essentially. Well, yeah, again, only a few, but that's all it takes. Yeah, that's it. It's just little, it's the small steps. But that's why I started this whole platform because I want to have these long conversations with people that they can hopefully dive into and see that, like, you know, um, it's more, like you said, it's more than just hippies. It's, 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 these things are legitimate medicines that if used correctly, you can become a better person. And, you know, it's if, if me and you can have this conversation about it and we can come to some conclusions and people can see that we are obviously, I think, I, I think people think we're level-headed and they might see that, like to see that it's just a simple dialogue and the conversation I think can do a lot for people, man. Yeah. And that's, that is the best evangelism. I think that there possibly can be is to, if you see someone that you can relate to or that you think has, has, you know, like I say, he's level-headed or he's kind of like, you know, he's tuned, tuned in or he's, he's capable in some way. Um, then, you know, the people might say, you know, well, particularly with me, like I mentioned, I, I was in a, in a different situation a few years ago. I was in a bad way. So now people come up to say, no, Rob, you seem like, you seem much better. Like what's, what's going on with you? And I can say, yeah, you know, I, I, went, I went and did this, this retreat thing and I know it sounds kind of kooky, but you know, it's, I did this and, and I feel better for it. And I've had that conversation like, you know, with sort of, people I work with, people that, you know, people in my social life, I had it with my parents, I've had it with my wife's parents. And I'm kind of evangelizing by my actions, which I think is is the way to do it rather than somebody who, you know, somebody who has this and then says, oh my God, everybody needs to have this experience. We need to put LSD in the water supply. You know, everyone needs to have it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, this is... This is the kind of like the, 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 the crazy reaction. This is what people will push back against. But if, you know, when, you know, say you, you see someone like sort of like, uh, you know, Sam Harris or, or, you know, or you hear like Steve Jobs or something like that, and they, they had these LXD experiences or Francis Crick or something, then you think, oh, right, well, oh, yeah, it's not just for kooks. You know I mean? I'm, I've had these experiences and I, I will tell anybody about what goes on in the Amazon, but I go and do my job and I, you know, I'm doing my job well and I'm, you know, I, I get glowing reviews from, from the people I work with. So yeah, it's, it's not necessarily turning me into some dribbling sort of new age, you know, fringe druid. I'm still, you know, I, I would say I would make the argument. I am more capable now as a human being than I was six or seven years ago. Cause yeah. then I was falling apart. Yeah. I think it's just because we're living in the remnants of the sixties and seventies sure, yeah. of the drug war and the hippie movement and Timothy Leary. So people, that's what they, people see these, psychedelics and entheogens as but you know like i said we we are opening opening up a new dialogue into 
the potentials of what these actually are. Yeah, and on all, all the sort of the, the research voices here, I think, are making a huge difference because mm-hmm. you know there's all these kind of studies going on in England. I'm sure I'm sure there's stuff going on as well through the US, but you know the books that are getting rid of, like the sort of the Michael Pollan book. You know, they, yep. these are. Um, respectable voice. I mean, I, I thought Michael Pollan was, was, was just a brilliant advocate because this is, he, he was just, a, he was just a journalist and a very well-respected journalist. He wasn't known for being out there or, or being sort of psychedelic. And he charted that whole experience of, of him investigating these substances and taking these substances. And that's when you've got like a journalist of that caliber doing it, then people have, you know, it, it kind of, it, you have to pay attention to it. It's like, okay, right. This is not just for kooks anymore. This is, the, yeah. there is something here and we can, we can report on it and we can get data on it. And you can, you know, there's all these studies coming out around, you know, people you know, resolving sort of lifelong addictions and sort of, you know, major depressive trauma. Yeah. This is, it, it, this is now becoming like hard science. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think it's, it, it, I, I mean, I, I I do believe this is a kind of a golden age that will I'm oh, yeah. just, a, just a, got such gratitude that I, I was here to live through it. I mean, who, who would have thought? Yeah, this is just the beginning of like a new renaissance. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, this is just the beginning. I'm like, I'm not going to see where the actual world ends up. Cause like, you know, by the time I'm like <laughs> 80, uh, it's going to be a whole different world. And I think ideally we have these, these medicines incorporated into our lives. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh man, this is just like the beginning. Like we're still technically living through the drug war and I can't wait to see uh, this ideal world that I have in my head and see where it's going to go. And uh, I mean, what, what do you think, how do you see these things being incorporated into the world in the next say like 10, 20 years? Yeah, I'm not sure. And I'm not exactly sure how I want to see them incorporated. So, I mean, I certainly want to see them incorporated somewhere, but I'm, I'm as, as, I'm, I'm very wary of it, the, the pendulum swinging the other way back into the 1960s, Timothy Leary sort of thing. So that's, I definitely don't want that. I'm also, I've got my viewpoint as a parent of sort of, of two kids and I'm, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm particularly in the camp of, um, you know, I, I want everything available to, I, you know, I, I, I don't, certainly don't want a world where my kids can go and pick up heroin on, you know, any sort of street corner. Yeah. So, it, so, so that then like brings the question, what is that middle ground then? How, how can it be integrated? I think, I, I think it's probably an extension of what we have today in this kind of, um, you know, there are certain uh, medical centers or, you know, um, uh, psychotherapy centers where you can do things like a, like LSD or uh, a psilocybin. We've certainly got like the ayahuasca kind of structure. I think I, I, I see the future as some sort of extension of that whereby there are places where you can go to whereby you can be guided through uh, th- these kind of experiences. Yeah. And that's not necessarily to say what people can or cannot do in their own home. Cause obviously I, and I do do things in my own home, but I think, there is a, I think that there is, there is a, a, a distinction, which again, I'm, I've not quite got the, the perfect word in here, but um, whereby the sh- people need to be educated that there is a world of difference, I think, between doing some, being a sovereign human being and, and doing a sort of a substance and going through a guided healing process. Um, so it's, 
like I don't think I could have necessarily had the same in, in the same revelations I I had around all this sad trauma with my mother, um, just doing it solo in my bedroom. Um, mm. I, so maybe some people could do. Obviously, some people are, are sort of more tuned in than, than others. But I personally, I don't think I could have. Done. I think I needed that structure of you know because when you're when you're at a, a, a retreat you're basically in 24 7 therapy you have you're just surrounded by teams of people you, you sort of you, you're constantly talking in kind of like a therapeutic setting then you have the actual meetings with the shamans and stuff like that and and it, and it doesn't have to be a traditional thing that's not to say what i'm advocating for. i'm just advocating some kind of guided process yeah. whereby someone takes you through this you know you see this with a um, uh, you know, Iboga or Ibogaine, you know, where, where people are doing like sort of addiction treatment. They don't just give you, you know, Ibogaine and just throw you in a room. They, someone's guiding you through this kind of addiction breaking process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we need. I think there needs to be that sort of structure of, of centers, maybe somehow incorporated into the health systems. Um, obviously that then sort of creates questions of like government getting too much involved. And so I, that's where I, again, I, 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 yeah, I, I need I need someone yeah I need someone smarter than me to work that bit out. But that's <laughs> that would be how I would hope it would be in in the future that my kids or grandkids could not have to jump through quite as many hoops as I jumped through to mm-hmm. to, to get the help if they felt they needed it. I agree with you. I see it as a there's going there'll be treatment centers almost like I wouldn't say replacing how we have um, you know like. Uh, um, you know, psychological trauma centers now, uh, mm-hmm. but there'll just be like another add-on, like, you know, it's just another option for people. And then as well, I see it as being decriminalized, like all these substances being decriminalized. Like, I don't think we'll yeah. have like dispensaries for mushrooms or ayahuasca. I mean, maybe, I just don't see that within the next 50 years, but I think it would just be decriminalized at first. And then there'll also be treatment centers where you can go and sign up and go through the whole process and have that guided experience if you'd like yeah for, for sure decriminalize i mean that, that the last thing i want i'd want to see is is people being punished for you know having sovereignty or sovereignty over their own bodies and what you mentioned about the sort of like the treatment aspect um it's funny because I, I live in switzerland and and in some places they they already have that aspect you know the my uh, my german teacher um she when she had her kids she had um, postnatal depression and she was she was offered um, LSD treatment. Um, LSD is very intrinsic to Switzerland anyway, because this, this is where you know. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah exactly. It sort of came up with it. We have the bicycle day celebrations and stuff here. <laughs> but that seems to me like that's yeah. It, it is it is now another tool in the toolbox. So it's like you know, in, in England, if you have if you went to your doctor and you said, "Doctor, I'm, I don't know what's up with me. I'm all I'm all messed up." It would just be right. Here's the pills done you know here's and that's there's no counseling there's no therapy there's, there's not even the diagnostic tools it's just write the prescription for antidepressants and off you go yep. and so i was so pleased to hear that here when they were, they were talking about sort of you know lsd therapy and uh, you know the, just just something other than the sort of one size fits all sort of pharmaceutical uh sort of solution so yeah i, I think hopefully see more of that and these treatments, the ones that sort of prove effective, you know, MDMA is, is sort of getting great results in terms of, you know, um, for, for PTSD and stuff. So yeah, I would love to see, uh, see these incorporated into just, just what we call medicine. Cause that's what it is. It's, it's, it's all just sort of medicine. Yeah. 
so they have um, centers like that in Switzerland where you can just take LSD? Um, I, I, I believe so. And I, I don't know whether that, that um, what she was offered was like part of a trial or, um, yeah. or whether it's, um, it's the different sort of cantons here in Switzerland have different regulations and stuff. So I don't know if it's available everywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, I think the, the culture here is very, you know, we have all these different things in there, even like a, a assisted suicide uh, is like mm-hmm. a, something you, you know, you can do in, in Switzerland if you, you know, want to go and end your own life you can you can do that and i don't know many other places in the world that do that so it is it's, it's a quite a a different culture here there are a lot more in some ways a lot more um open than the other cultures that i've been to and in some ways they're very conservative and it's, it's, it's a strange place <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah switzerland i can imagine from what i've heard is a very unique place to be in europe I've heard they actually have like um, this. Is, I forgot. I watched this a while ago. They have these centers that they give people like clean heroin. Like they, yep. they give them clean needles and heroin. I'm like, well, that's a very interesting concept. Yeah, it's because they were having um, the sort of the heroin problem was huge apparently, and so yeah, they they just came at it from a different angle and um, just brought down sort of uh, disease, reduced homelessness, reduced poverty. I bet just a huge success just by. Um, it, again, it's, you know, it's one of these things of is, is heroin the the problem or is is there a root cause which people are trying to medicate with the heroin? So if you come at it from that perspective, then you sort of you, you take away the the problems around heroin of the, first of all the having to get hold of it, having to having to commit crimes to get hold of it, having to you know open yourself up to disease by using dirty needles and stuff like that. And then if you, so all that stuff's off the table, I know you can start working on the, on the kind of the root cause. Like why are you actually, why are you taking heroin? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I c- compare that to sort of, again, you know, back in uh, like England where I come from, where it's the complete opposite thing. And, you know, with, particularly as you, as you get sort of further up north and there's just these huge sort of heroin epidemics and mm-hmm. it's, it, it then becomes this kind of, fulfilling cycle of that where you need to commit crime to do the heroin and you don't have the facilities to for for clean needles so everyone's you know you know everyone was catching all these different you know blood disease and stuff and it's it just becomes a huge nightmare and i think they've had similar success in portugal where they've just sort of you know again decriminalized pretty much everything yeah um it's a great effect so i think there's yeah you know something for the rest of the world to pay pay attention to there yeah that's the that's the future man because we can all come to the conclusion the war on drugs is an absolute failure it's mm-hmm. it's done absolutely nothing just other than ruining people's lives and you know people are going to do drugs that's what it comes down to is you know we're human beings we're going to experiment with our consciousness and try to feel good in whatever way that we can so you know you're not going to stop us there's no law that's going to stop us from doing it so i mean i guess that makes sense you know it seems counterintuitive but it makes sense in a way there's like all right well if you're going to do it then here's a clean needle and here's some clean heroin it, it, it definitely does make sense yeah, yeah, and again, I think it's it, when you get to that cause, it, it is people are, you know, life life can be difficult, and people are trying to sort of you know medicate their way through these things, and you know, it's 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 sort of uncompassionate in a way to say to like oh, you if you do that thing which brings you sort of you know relief, which allows you to function as a human being, if you if you do that thing which granted for that moment solves all your problems mm-hmm. then you are a criminal we're going to lock you in a box yeah. and and that's 
you know, and sometimes you do just need to solve that problem just today. You know, I've yeah. been in situations like it's, it's similar when with like sort of the antidepressant situation. Like I, I do not demonize antidepressants at all. I, th I think there are times in people's lives where, whereby you've just got to survive the day. You've got to get through this yeah. because today you can't cope with it. Maybe in, in eight weeks time, maybe 12 weeks time, then you can cope with, you know, some kind of horrific, you know, just some, you know, some parent who's just lost their children in some sort of horrific way. Mm -hmm. Like that's sometimes that's too much to deal with on day one. And if you can get some help to get you to sort of, you know, week 12 where you think, okay, I'm now ready to face my grief or I'm now ready to face this sort of challenge. I think that's a completely valid application of something like, um, you know, antidepressants or again, I, I, I would never advocate for something like heroin or morphine, but I can understand why someone might want to, you know, if you ever see like an interview with like a heroin addict, some of these stories are heartbreaking. You know, mm -hmm. you, you'll hear the, the, you know, human suffering, which never thought possible. And then, to sort of say, you know, oh, well, well, you shouldn't be doing heroin. Then, like, who the fuck are you to say that? I shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't be doing, like, like, did you just hear what this person said? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would say that the, the answer is always to get those people into a place where they can heal themselves and, yeah, and not to sort of turn them into criminals or, which is what I think I want this war on drugs. It, the war on drugs turns people into criminals because yeah. they weren't necessarily criminals before that. They were, they were addicts. They were, they were, they needed help, but they weren't necessarily criminals. Yeah. And that's all you've done is kind of made a, you know, yeah. Turn people into criminals. And then there's, you, you, you could go further down the rabbit hole with it. Like, is it, was it just to feed the kind of, you know, the, the criminal systems or, or, you know, yeah. But that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. I think what it comes down to is that, uh, for me personally, you know, we're all, just, we're all just trying to be happy. We're all just trying to find some kind of peace, some kind of freedom. In whatever way you do it, some people find it in drugs or whatever way, you know, there's various amounts of ways that people find happiness. And if you're not hurting anybody, in my opinion, if you're not hurting anybody at all, then you should be free to do it. You know, it might be hurting yourself, um, but like, you know, I, I don't even think we should be, be, um, intrusive in the way of you know if you want to hurt yourself i guess go ahead as long as you're not hurting anybody else in this world i think you should have the freedom to do whatever you need to do to find that happiness yeah absolutely i, th I think the the phrase which i like around it, it, it's sovereignty it's like I, I should have sovereignty over my own consciousness my sort of own human experience and that's again it's not a get out of jail free card it doesn't mean that you know people you know if, if I'm going sort of too far, then I, you know, I want my sort of family and friends to intervene and sort of, you know, help me out. But like I say, if I'm, you know, in terms of, of, of my experience, then the sovereignty lies with me and I should be sort of free to do it. And, you know, and again, this, this comes back to, to what we're just saying about, about Switzerland and the sort of the, the right to end your life. That is, that is your choice. You know, yeah. that's, and I know it's, this is a insanely controversial subject, but it's, you know, I, I could imagine a, a, a scenario whereby perhaps that, this, perhaps this, this experience has come to an end for me. And, you know, maybe it, it could be for reasons of, you know, I just, I've, you know, say if my family aren't here anymore and I've just lost connection, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own, I'm lonely, or perhaps I'm just in incredible pain or whatever. Still, it's 
I'm, I'm not. I'm just just to be absolutely clear to anybody. I'm not advocating for like for, for suicide, but I am advocating that if you know that choice lies with me, and that or only with me. The the state or you cannot force me to stay alive. I've and and the, the kind of responsibility that then puts on, on myself and 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 the world around me is I, I should want to stay alive. You know, I I should you know. That's kind of on me, but if if I don't, then that's my sort of choice to, to cash those chips in. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Just comes down to freedom. Yeah, just just being able to be free to who we are, uh, who we want to be. I, I, or not, <laughs> or not. Yeah, of course. If you don't want to, be, if you don't want to be <laughs> anyone at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get there. Hopefully, we'll get to a world where we have that kind of freedom. I mean, we have the freedom of speech, which is something that you know people thousands hundreds of years ago you couldn't even imagine it i think it is it's something great that we can i can say whatever i want on this microphone and there's no one that's going to kick in my door unless like i admit to some kind of crime but like i can say you know what i mean i can i can express my opinion on whatever i want to say and you know we can have these conversations about these experiences and not have to worry really about anything so that that is a freedom that i think um maybe we take for granted but there are also for other sure. freedoms yeah, I, th I think we definitely take that one for granted. And I think it's, I, th I think we're seeing that one being tested a little bit at the moment in, in the yeah. current situation. You know, there's a lot of sort of talk around what, what you, you, you can or cannot say. And I, and I get, you know, the, the intention there is good, but I think it's, I, I am wary of it going into um, sort of, you know, bad sort of, sort of totalitarian style you know, North Korea-esque setting of, of, of what you can and cannot say. But I, I agree, I agree with, what, with, with your premise. I think that I, you know, thankfully I can say what I want. And yeah, I can say what I want with the consequences of whatever I say. So if I, if I just go on some in massive racist tirade now, then I can, no, I can live with those consequences. But if I, if I was some sort of neo-Nazi, then maybe those are the consequences I want to live with. And that's their choice if, you know, neo-nazis want to be neo-nazis and you know other people want to be opposed to neo-nazis that's fine everyone should be able to to say what they want and have the right to say that and you know i recently did a, a video about um a, a guy in the uk does a podcast i got called brian rose and who had this kind of conspiracy theory guy called called yeah. david ike who, yeah, who goes yep. up, talk, <laughs> talks a lot about uh, reptile little lizard people and stuff like that and he there was a big kerfuffle because a lot of brian rose's videos got um got pulled from YouTube and I am completely against what Brian Rawls was saying in those videos, but I am completely appalled. I think they should have been left there for people to see yeah. because if he, you know, if, if you, if you want to talk about sort of conspiracies with lizard people and stuff like that, go for it. I, it makes, it makes it even easier for the rest of us then because it, I put my ideas out now and everyone can, everyone now knows that oh, right, right. Rob, Rob likes psychedelics. There's no, there's nothing covert about it. Like this is my days, and you can people can decide whether they want to have a relationship with me there, or, or whether they want to engage with me, or if I'm completely full of shit. Perfect. And I think that goes likewise for, you know, again the guys who want to believe in whatever conspiracy it is, or uh, the guys who want to, you know, have whatever views about whatever it is they want to. Let's get it all out there. Sunlight is the best disinfectant, and let's yeah, that's the way that that we can. I think pick out the good ideas from the bad when they're all in the in the open. Because if, if things start happening behind closed doors, then that's I think that's the, the kind of the worst possible scenario. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for the uh, the climate of sort of free speech that we have.
yeah because that's what that's that's what a lot of people would argue is that the this it's the start of like a dystopian controlling our you know idea of controlling our speech because if they can do it with da- or with um, David Icke and Brian Rose with because I think they took it off because they were saying like 5G is it has something to do with the coronavirus something like that yeah, so yeah. they didn't want the conspiracy theory spreading but if they qualify that as a conspiracy theory which it might be I really don't know too much about it then what that lays the premise for what they can do in the future for things that you know people whatever we're going to be talking about in the future if they can do it with that with david ike and brian rose then that means they can do it with something else and call something else a conspiracy theory which actually might have some validity to it and then get that taken off and that's how that's people's fear of you know this this dystopian future that we're moving toward which i don't know if that's i don't think i think i think youtube's i mean i don't know maybe i'm just sold on the youtube propaganda but i don't think youtube really had any uh had any uh, malicious intent doing that. I really think they just wanted to remove David Icke and Brian Rose spreading this misinformation so people don't go tear down 5G cell towers anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was a, a bit of both. And I, I do have, I've, I've got a lot more sympathy for David Icke than I do for, for Brian Rose in that situation. Because David Icke, I think is, you know, I've been very open. I think the guy's a complete lunatic and, you know, he's from England and we've been listening to his nonsense since like the, the 1990s. Well, you know what the thing um, is about him? One sec. Is he, is he has a lot of good points too. Like he has no, no, a lot for, of for sure, For sure, for sure, for sure. And then he also has stuff. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, this is kind of my, my great frustration with David Icke. But my point I was getting to was that I... I will grant, I think David Icke is 100% sincere. I don't think he's right. I think he's 100% sincere. And, and yeah, and I, I think my biggest frustration with David Icke is that I, I can agree with David Icke 80% of the way. Like he will talk about the problems with the banking system, the sort of, you know, the, you know, the, the problems of the, of the sort of the, the monarchy being a sort of a tax strain in, in, in England, um, you know, you know, there is some sort of, there are some conspiracies which are, which are, you know, clearly happening. There is, you know, there clearly is a, a you know, an elite which has more money than the rest of us do. All these things, and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then it's like, and they're lizard people who are, you know, who require the blood of virgins. And I'm like, oh, right. No, everything else is just tarred with the bush. And like, you can, you can, it's so frustrating. You, I can watch like a documentary and with David Icke on it. And it's like, Oh, David, you've turned over a new leaf. This is brilliant. This is so, oh, 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 oh here we go. Here's the connection to the lizard people. Right, okay. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I think he, I think he's his worst saboteur. And um, so, yeah, it, and, and this is, a, it's like a popular thing that, that people say. And it's like, oh, he's, he was right about this. And yeah, he, he, he he's, he's not talking complete bullshit nonstop. It's just, a, he, just this last connection that he makes is, I think he's a complete misfire um so yeah it, it's um but i, I do have symp- sympathy for him and i i think there's with in terms of like youtube and censorship there is an algorithmic aspect to it so you know i i, I can definitely go and make a video and put certain keywords in it and that video will get pulled because i've i've triggered the algorithm to, to yeah. you know if i if i made a video i won't say those things now in case in case it you know <laughs> it, it has a negative effect on you but mm-hmm. um and that would be kind of expected and it, and it would be the sort of the things around the pandemic and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but so, yeah, but I, I think like, no, there is, there's that aspect where the algorithm's doing it, but then there does seem to be another aspect whereby 
there's a human pushing a button there because not only did David Icke, those videos where David Icke get pulled algorithmically, his entire account got shut down and he, he went on this kind of blacklist. That didn't happen by the algorithm. Somebody did that. And I think that was wrong. That was a bad column. And we've seen this, you know, with, with people who get pulled from Patreon and get pulled from PayPal and, you know, basically making it, it almost impossible for them to function within this kind of information society that we're in. You, you, you're being blacklisted um, basically excommunicated from the internet yeah. and that's that's horrific I think in, in this day and age I, I would not wish that on the person I disagree with most ever I, again I want all those ideas out there and if there's people who want to support those ideas and, and the, the downside here is then you've then got to accept that that also means that they can support the worst ideas Yeah. but still I, I think like none of us I think are, are, are even particularly qualified to you know to, to say this person should cease to exist as a human being in the modern age and I, I know I can I could point at something that everyone would most people would agree with like say a neo-nazi something that's still a human being who needs to live and if they make their living through through PayPal or whatever then you, you know, with a family to feed, a little, you know, a little family of neo-Nazis, you can't just pull the plug on someone's fucking livelihood on an ability to communicate. Like, that's that's a, almost like a kind of, you know, an intellectual death sentence, if not a financial death sentence. So yeah. it's, I, I, I'm completely opposed to that. And I do think there is somebody, you know, there's, there are certainly people at, at, these, at so, these big social media places of Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google, who have that button that they can press mm-hmm. and and so yeah the, the the algorithm i will cut a lot of slack because it's just looking for the keywords the the person who's getting triggered and he's pushing and he's saying no then um yeah that person that's the bit i, I think where regulation possibly needs to step in and again yeah. how that happens no idea yeah right we're just we're just bringing up the topics we don't know the solution we're just bitching about it man yeah somebody else can go and fix the big problems man we're, we're just complaining about it <laughs> Hey, that's somebody's gonna say it. That's our job, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I I hundred percent agree with you. Um, I think we can start to wrap this thing up. We've been talking for a while. Um, yeah, it's been good, man. Yeah, I think you're a cool guy. I think you're uh, you know, you got good energy, good vibes. Uh, definitely Cheers, watching dude. any kind of videos that you put out in the future. And um, do you have anything else that you want to say? Um, not, not really, mate. Uh, I don't know. I, I was just, I just open my mouth and stuff falls out. So I, I just, all, all I'd say is that if anybody was, you know, likes the stuff I'm saying here, then just check out my YouTube channel, which is called Adeptus Psychonautica, and I sort of post once or twice a week. Um, yeah, you can also. I've got a, a subreddit also called Adeptus Psychonautica, and if you search me on Instagram, you can find me there. So yeah, if anybody wants to reach out and get in touch, I'm always willing to, to sort of to chat. You can, um, and that, you know, I think conversations like this. Uh, yeah, the best tool. Um, I really enjoy. I've really enjoyed this conversation, guys. So thanks a lot, man, for reaching out. Um, and yeah, I think that's about yeah a good place to wrap up. I think. Cool, cool. Yeah, thanks, man. I like I said, I'm grateful for you coming on here. I think we had a good time. I really don't even remember everything that we talked about, but that's why it's good. <laughs> well, that's the, the, definitely the, the, the best conversations are the ones that just kind of flow. And the, yeah, this really has, mate. So yeah, uh, again, it's the, this is the golden age we live in, where we can do this. Just connect with with strangers yeah. across the, on the other side of the world and become friends so it's uh, yeah. it's been awesome mate beautiful time to be alive man uh so yes rob from uh adeptus psychonautica psychonautica yeah thank you for coming on you're welcome mate. it's been a pleasure cheers dude